Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 295 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday night, March 14th, 2021. Normally, we'd be wishing everybody a happy Selection Sunday, but let's be real, not necessarily the happiest Selection Sunday because Duke is not in the field of 68. So I guess I'll say happy Pi Day to all of you out there who are listening. I am Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I am joined, as always, even on a dismal day like this, by Donald Wine and Jason Evans. Jason, I'll start with you. How are you? Your hometown Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets are ACC champions for the first time nearly in my entire life. Uh, yeah, they had a they had a big weekend. Very, very lots of folks here in Atlanta are excited about Georgia Tech. Um, All 15 Georgia Tech fans are excited about Georgia Tech. <laughs> Actually, no, there, there are a fair number of fans here in town. We'll, we'll be talking more about that later. I've got, some, I've got some thoughts, some comments on how long it's been since Georgia Tech won a ACC title. Absolutely. Donald Wine is also here. Donald, uh, I guess if you're in D.C., then all the talk is about Georgetown right now. Yes, uh, Georgetown winning uh, its first uh, Big East title since 2007 in the year after John Thompson passes away uh, and one of his greatest disciples, Patrick Ewing, being the guy that leads them to the championship. What a, a, a phenomenal story, and uh, we'll talk about them a little bit probably on Tuesday when we really go into depth, but uh, just a hot run for them, and it was really inspiring to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very Sam, cool. Sam, lay out for folks what we're going to be doing so they understand I guess, yeah. so what's I, happening I, here. <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a bit of a rundown tonight, so we... I think our, our whole podcast schedule has sort of been in flux based on the news coming out. We I think the last time we talked to everybody was on Friday morning when Duke was officially out of the tournament and and they were not coming back. There was like a slim chance that maybe Duke would get chosen as an alternate for the NCAA tournament or or maybe Duke would choose to go to the NIT. The news as of today is that Duke is not going to play in the NIT. They likely would have been you know, a, a number two or number three type seed in the NIT. They were not going to be a number one seed. We know because they weren't in the first four out of the NCAA tournament. So the first four out become the number one seeds in the NIT. So Duke was probably a two or a three in the NIT. They announced today that they're not going to be playing in the NIT. There was no further clarification about that. So we're going to talk about that first. Then we'll kind of segue into discussing the NCAA tournament field very briefly, just to kind of give folks a, a recap of, of what we saw tonight. We'll come back, as Donald said, later this week and do a deeper dive on the field once we know that the field is, is definitely locked in based on teams not being able to travel for COVID or, or, or whatnot, because there may still be replacements on the way, which would really shake up the way the bracket is, is looking. So we'll do that recap later this week, the same day that we'll do a longer form recap on Duke's entire season, which will feature the recap of the stats game, which will be a total bloodbath for everybody. I'm not looking. I, I'm kind of looking forward to that in a sort of macabre way. So we'll do those things. Then we'll take sometimes you got to rip the bandaid off. So. Then we'll then we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a bit about the ACC tournament and how that turned out. It was a it was a weird ACC tournament. The championship game was played between two teams who between them played exactly four games in the ACC tournament because of uh, other teams dropping out due to COVID. And then we will finish with our final player of the week assignment for the 2020-2021 season. That segment, I predict, will be very short. <laughs> right, guys. Yes I'm, yes, I'm looking for confirmation. Yes, that will be short. Yes. That everyone is picking the same guy for for ACC player or for Duke player of the week. So let's start with the news tonight. As I said, we it came out a few hours ago 
that Duke is not going to be accepting a bid to the NIT, which they likely would have gotten. They were not selected for the field of 68. They were not selected as alternates. CBS or the or the NCAA tournament committee uh, gave four additional bids, you could call them, to teams who are going to be replacement teams uh, in case other teams are dropping out. Duke was not chosen as one of those. So unless some enormous miracle happens. Duke is not playing in the NCAA tournament. Duke is certainly not playing in the NIT. So Duke's season is now over. It's the first time since 1995 that Duke won't be playing in the postseason. This is, like I said, it's been a very long time. Prior to that, it was you have to go all the way back to the beginning of Coach K's tenure in the early 80s for Duke to have not made the tournament. So on top of all the reasons that this season is unprecedented because of the pandemic situation, we also get to a point at the end here where Duke isn't making the tournament. So I want to kind of quickly react to that. And, and maybe you guys can talk me through how you were feeling over the weekend with all the news coming out, watching all these, all these tournaments wrapping up in conferences around the country and, and how you're feeling now about Duke not being in the field of 68. So Jason, I'll give it to you first. Whatever, whatever your thoughts and feelings are, let's just share them here. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. Look, in the history of our podcast, we haven't had to do this. We haven't had to go through an NCAA tournament where the Blue Devils weren't in it. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't something that came as a big shock to anyone. I think we all could see this coming for several days. The moment the Florida State game was canceled because of COVID protocols, you looked and you couldn't really figure out a path for Duke to make it into the NCAA tournament at that point. Uh, and especially once we saw a couple of these uh, bid stealers, so to speak, you know, these teams like Georgetown, we talked about them, Georgetown that uh, and Oregon State was the other one that that won tournaments that were they were not going to make the field anyway. And as a result, the bubble got smaller and smaller. And you knew that, you know, Duke's chance to be one of those even one of those first four teams that, you know, just barely missed out, but might get in if teams had COVID problems. You knew that wasn't going to happen for Duke either. I think I, I, I feel like. I felt that way for the past 24 hours or so. I, I think it is worth pointing out that the highest rated team in Ken Pomeroy's rankings to not make the dance is Duke at number 33. Um, so even though we weren't one of the teams that the NCAA selected as one of the first four teams not to make it, we were, according to a lot of the advanced metrics, according to a lot of folks who pay attention to this stuff, we were the best team not in the field. And at number 33, we absolutely deserved to be in the field. So, you know, it, it is what it is. This was a really, really tough season in terms of Duke having bad luck and the bad luck extended to us, not, you know, sort of squeaking in the backside of the field. We've talked about it. Ken Pomeroy has a factor of luck, you know, based on how good you are, who you've played, what your record should be. Duke is one of like the five to 10 unluckiest teams in the country. He thinks we should probably be much more like 15 or 16 and, you know, maybe eight, something like that kind of record, as opposed to being 13, 11. But you know what, when you're 13 and 11, you very much put your fate in the hands of the NCAA selection committee. And I think, uh, unfortunately, they didn't see enough quality from Duke this season. And I don't know that I blame them that much. It, it is it, what it is. It sucks, I, but it I, is what it is. I think, Jason, you you hit the nail on the head by saying that once Duke wasn't able to play Florida State, there wasn't much of a path. And one look, there's always going to be the haters on the Internet and and we're Duke. So there's lots of haters and they will they will be there whenever Duke is down. There was a very weird conspiracy theory uh, on that I saw on Twitter about Duke ducking the Florida State game because they knew they were going to lose. Guys, there it's was ridiculous. There was basically so no stupid. way Duke was making the tournament if they didn't play play and beat 
Florida State. So get that out of your minds right now if you are if you're infected by Duke haterdom. Donald, give me your thoughts on this weekend. Well, I mean, first of all, speaking of the haters, uh, they're out in full force tonight, and that's fine. Uh, they should get about, get their jokes off now because we're coming back stronger next year. Uh, if we get a couple of recruits here and there, we might be one of the top teams in the country, if not the best team in the country next year. So they can hate all they want. But think about this. I, I'm 38 years old. In my 38 years, this is only the third time that Duke has not made the NCAA tournament, which is incredible when you think about it like that. So uh, this has been a difficult year. I, I think over the course of the weekend, it was just for me, it was the news coming in didn't really move me one way or the other because it was almost to a point where we're just like, let's see how this plays out. You know, we, we don't know uh, all these talk, all this talk about maybe we'll get a tournament bid. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll be a replacement team. If we get replacement team, will we take it? Will we be in the NIT? All of that, like, I was basically like, let's just play it out, see where the chips fall. And if we're in the NCAA tournament, terrific. Let's go win the thing. It would have been great to be in there and try to have a chance to win this thing. But at the same time, we're not in it. It's, it, it ends our season uh, with us not taking the NIT. And I know why we didn't take the NIT is because it's in Texas and full, full, full arenas. We ain't doing that. So I think when it comes to uh, this season, it, it, like Jason said, it's just a lot of sheer dumb bad luck. And we had some games that we were in it at the end and we, in the, ball didn't go in the hole the way we wanted it to or the ball didn't roll the way we needed it to it is what it is a lot of teams have to deal with this every year this is the first time in 25 years 26 years that we've had to deal with this so and and, you know donald you talked about the haters um i'm glad that they're out there i'm glad that they're joyful and gleeful today that duke didn't make the tournament because you know what they only hate because we are great no one's no one's out there going to hey did you see uh, Notre Dame didn't make the tournament. No one cares that Notre Dame didn't make the tournament other than Notre Dame fans because Notre Dame isn't a team that makes the tournament every year. People are out there talking about the fact that Duke didn't make it this year, talking about the fact that Kentucky didn't make it this year because there are certain programs that are better than everybody else, certain programs that are always, always talked about and part of the college basketball picture. I mean, to be honest, the, the pundits, the haters, all the other folks out there, they talked about Duke more this weekend than they did a lot of teams that are in the tournament. That shows you how much we are. So, you know, hey, hate on us all you want. It just shows how great we are. Cat Williams once said, if you have 20 haters, you should be worried about how to get to 40 haters by summertime. We have a lot of haters out there. We just have to figure out how to get a lot more than 40. We have a lot more than 40. We have millions of them. Uh, And like you said, Jason, they talked about us not making the tournament right now more than they're talking about their own team or other teams that did make the tournament who deserve to be uh, given the credit of making the tournament. So uh, they can hate on us all they want. When we come back, I got notes right here in my brain. I will remember all y'all. So next year when we're going for six, just remember when I call. And going back to the to the bit of news that I guess was sort of a footnote, but that Duke is not playing in the NIT. We've touched on it a bit so far, but I think the three of us had this conversation a few weeks ago about whether whether or not Duke would play in the NIT. And and the conversation I think we had mostly centered around they probably would choose to play if invited. And we sort of talked through like how that how it, things would change to make it so that Duke wouldn't play. And I think that's exactly what came to pass is that if Duke's having its own COVID troubles, they're not going to then go out and put themselves at more risk and and potentially expose 
more of the student athletes, coupled with the fact that, like Donald said, they're going to be playing in front of big crowds in Texas and on Duke's campus right now, there's a there's a, a big spread of the virus that is causing additional lockdown to have to be put in place. So and I, think, I think, Sam, I think that's I think that's a big deal. I think that is a, a large part of why Duke chose not to do this. This is a moment when when the school is going through its worst COVID out- outbreak yet. And, and they just instituted some very severe lockdowns on all the students. I, I think that I think that they maybe perceive it's not the right message to say, oh, by the way, while students, while we are telling all of you that you need to stay, you know, in your dorm room, you can't even come out to get food, essentially. <laughs> while we're doing that, we're not going to send our basketball team off to Texas to play in front of live audiences. Yeah, I think there's also one thing that I wanted to quickly note about this whole timeline of the weekend. Yesterday, or I'm sorry, Friday night, very late Friday night, Duke basketball Twitter put out a very vague tweet that just had a frowny face emoji and a neutral face emoji. And the internet just blew up at that because they're like, what does that mean? The reason why I mentioned that is because for a minute, I think this is where most people's heart rates probably elevate a little bit. There was the rumor that was gaining a lot of traction. And I, I won't say traction in the form of credibility, but just traction in the form of legs and, and moving around that it was a false positive test that rendered us out of the ACC tournament. And so most people were probably like, okay, if this is true. And then right after that is when the news came about Duke saying, Hey, if you, if you take us to the NCAA tournament, we're ready to go. And I think that is kind of the the one part where people kind of probably got their hopes up just a little bit. Uh, But I think when it comes to some of these things, and, and I will say this, a lot of people, the haters have been out since last Thursday, because when we were out, they were basically blaming us for coming from, we're doing the bus trips from uh, Greensboro to Durham uh, and back for the NCAA or for the ACC tournament. But then right after they got those jokes off, UVA pulls out of the tournament for the same reason. NCANT, who is also based in Greensboro, had to pull out of the MEAC tournament and they would have probably gotten to the NCAA tournament they got out because of a false positive. So there was a lot going on this weekend when it came to that. Then Kansas came out. So within the span of like 24 hours, there were a lot of teams having to deal with this. And it made people kind of realize that, hey, if everyone's going through it, then we just have to kind of see where this all plays out. And I think that's where you kind of leveled off, in a sense, back to earth. So Duke is not playing in the NCAA tournament, but the bracket did come out tonight. And I wanted to very quickly uh, discuss the bracket as it stands right now. Like I said, later this week, we'll come back and do some more like fun picks and, and look aheads once the bracket is is set in stone, because there could still be additional dropouts due to COVID and teams not wanting to travel, et cetera, whatever. So very quickly, the NCAA tournament bracket as it stands right now, the number one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. I don't think those were particularly surprising. There were some other teams that maybe had a shot over the weekend to claim bids if some of those teams had lost. Maybe but, Ohio but, State, but I mean, that's yeah, maybe Ohio it. State. Uh, rest, Alabama, those four are locked in. <laughs> so so th- those four are locked in. Gonzaga has had an unbelievable season and is undefeated. I think the biggest story heading into the NCAA tournament is that Gonzaga is still undefeated. They played a tough schedule early in the year, so I don't think anyone at least no one that's following the sport seriously is looking at Gonzaga's record and saying that there's anything 
cheap about it, even though they do still play in the West Coast Conference. So Gonzaga's going for the undefeated season this year, which would be remarkable. Meanwhile, the ACC had, I think, a surprising number of teams end up making the tournament. We The ACC got seven teams in the field in a year when no ACC team was really on the national radar for being one of the top teams you know, in the country. Virginia and Florida State both earned number four seeds. Virginia, of course, dropped out of the ACC tournament, as Donald mentioned, due to uh, due to COVID issues, Florida State made it to the ACC championship game, although that only required them to uh, to win one game against UNC in the semifinals. So both of them earned four seeds. Virginia is playing in Gonzaga's region and Florida State is in Michigan's region. Meanwhile, there are five other ACC teams that are in the field that are all seeded lower. So Clemson's got a seven seed, UNC is an eight. Georgia Tech, the ACC champion, is a nine. Virginia Tech is a 10 and Syracuse is an 11 seed. They're not in the play-in game. So they they made it comfortably. And Louisville, to wrap that up, is not technically in the field yet, but they are one of the first four out. I believe that they're the the top first four out. So it's very possible, if not likely, given how many teams there are, that Louisville is going to find its way into the tournament, although we have no idea where that's going to be yet. So we'll update again later this week on that. But guys, thoughts on the NCAA tournament field, the bracket reveal, any of that that you saw tonight, either on top seeds, ACC teams, anything else. Donald, give me some thoughts. I thought the most surprising thing of the teams in the tournament is Syracuse making it outright because uh, it seems like they, by beating NC state in the, you know, whatever the second round that was of the ACC tournament that they were locked in because they played Virginia pretty well. They lost on a buzzer beater and most people thought, well, they needed that win to solidify, but it seems like they were already in, uh, entering that tournament. So uh, that was probably the most surprising thing to me. Jason, I want to give it to you because I know there was a couple of uh, of teams that I thought had some really rough draws, Virginia being one. But I think the one that I think we both we all agree on is that UNC is uh, in a tough situation right now. Yeah, I looked mostly at the ACC teams and, and Sam's right, by the way, all this is premature because things could change over the next 48 hours as teams get COVIDed out um, and, and new teams get inserted in. But Carolina has a nightmare of a draw. So first of all, they get Wisconsin in the first round in an 8-9 game. Wisconsin has no business being in an 8-9 game. Wisconsin's really good. They're Ken Pomeroy's number 10 team. I want to repeat that. The number 10 team is in an 8-9 game. That's not good news if you're playing them. So Wisconsin's a very impressive team, battle-tested from playing in the brutal Big Ten this year. So, you know, Carolina, good luck with that. And if they happen to get past that, they get Baylor waiting for them. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I think Carolina has maybe a 3% chance of making the Sweet 16. In my opinion, it would take two upsets in a row for Carolina to make the Sweet 16. I, I just, I, I don't think that's going to happen for them. I, I also just want to note just in general, and Sam, you kind of alluded to it, that in a down year, when everyone was saying the ACC is all the way down, they had seven teams enter. And if, you know, it could be eight if Louisville finds the way finds their way into it. it. They were tied for second amongst all conferences, number of teams that got in. So in a down, if a down year, we're getting seven teams in, that's it's still a pretty good showing for the ACC. And hopefully all of them, except for UNC, do very well. Yeah, except I'll tell you something. I don't think many of them are going to do very no, well. No, <laughs> no. I just hope. You can always hope. This is what the tournament yeah, is about. It's I was looking at this. Um, I, I, the ACC team whose draw I like the most is Florida State. Um, I don't think they play UNC Greensboro first. I don't think UNCG will be able to handle Florida State's size. 
and they play Colorado after that. And Colorado isn't very big either. And Colorado isn't a traditional power. It's a team that, you know, really came on this year. I think this is like Colorado's highest seed in decades. It's their highest seed ever. Yeah, they're exactly. a five seed and they've never been this high before. Right. So I, I, I kind of feel like they may sort of be satisfied with making the tournament as well as they did. I'm not sure that they are quite this good. So I, I like Florida State. Um, and in fact, I'll even say, you know, if they beat UNCG and presumably Colorado, they would then probably get Michigan. Let's not forget Michigan. Isaiah Livers, one of Michigan's best players, is probably going to be out for at least the first couple of weeks of the tournament. Um, he like MCL strain or something like that. Yep. They are not as good a team without Isaiah Livers. So Florida State, you know, if you're looking for an ACC team to make a, a bit of a run, I, I think Florida State's got to be your pick. Uh, a couple of other things. How is Clemson a seven? How is Clemson a seven? And how is they're playing Rutgers in the first round of the seven ten game? How is Rutgers a ten? There was some. There was some. That game is ones. higher quality than than is implied by the seeding numbers. I was going to actually go back Rutgers, and talk wait, about wait. Rutgers is just playing better than Clemson. Let's just that, that that's a given, isn't it? <laughs> and in a and and Rutgers is, is plays in a, a much harder conference too. So like the you and, know Rutgers has a, has like a few really good wins and, and Rutgers, in, in way, a Big Ten that is tough. Rutgers is another team. They, this is their first tournament since 1991. Sam, were you even born then? <laughs> Barely. That, I think exactly. that's like the last time Georgia Tech won the ACC, right? Yeah, so. exactly. So, so yeah, Rutgers, you know, Rutgers wants to prove, you know, we're here, we belong. Um, so I, I really, Clemson's in huge trouble and Georgia Tech's the, another one. Meanwhile, yeah, Georgia, I was going to talk about Georgia Tech because well, Georgia, got Tech, Loyola. Oh my God. Georgia Tech is the, Georgia Tech are the ACC champions. They had a great week. And if you look, Georgia Tech has been one of the hottest teams in college basketball the last mm-hmm. month and a half. They haven't lost, I think, since like, in, in like over a month and and all the losses that they've incurred in in the last like two months of the season have all been like Duke style, like only losing by like five points, six points. So Georgia Tech has been awesome recently and they got a nine seed where they have to play Loyola Chicago, who is um, who was really the, good. Uh, yeah, really, good. really good. Like Loyola Chicago, you were talking about Donald, you were talking about Wisconsin being high up in Ken Palm. Loyola Chicago is like number nine or number 10 in Ken Palm. I think yeah. Yeah, right now they're number nine mm-hmm. in Ken Palm and they're a number nine seed or a yeah. number eight seed. So uh, yeah, the, 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 two team, the two teams that were the most criminally underseeded appear to be Wisconsin and Loyola Chicago and UNC and Georgia Tech got the two of them. It's a tough road for the ACC. So I have two quick notes. One, uh, I want to note that the NCAA decided inexplicably, even though all the games are in or around Indianapolis, to still go with the region names as opposed to like regions one through four. Like, how who's going to remember who's in East? And they're going to say, oh man, they had a tough road to get through Indianapolis to Indianapolis to Indianapolis. Like, I don't know why they named these regions except for continuity, but we could tell, you could just say, hey, in the spirit of this not being really continuous of all the other tournaments you could just name these one two three and four but the well, and, thing- and when you and when you look back at this tournament in 20 years like you know if you're going through like old tournament stats and things right you could be going through and say oh you know th- this team had to go to the had to go to the west region and play gonzaga like we mm-hmm. won't remember the fact that virginia was in the wet like it'll say virginia was in the west region and had to play gonzaga in the sweet 16 presuming that both of those teams make it and it'll be like well normally that would be really hard because virginia would have to fly out to like Anaheim or San Francisco or something. And right. this year they're all just going to be in Indianapolis. So Gonzaga gets none of that benefit. Yeah. And the one, the second thing I will say, I think the saltiest team, the team should, that should be the most salty is definitely Louisville. Why? 
because the chairman of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee just happens to be the AD for the University of Kentucky. And they left him on in the outside looking in. <laughs> I think, I, I'm telling you, Kentucky, the, the state of Kentucky, all basketball fans are melting down right now. Kentucky fans are probably like, hmm, a little happy. And Louisville fans are probably incensed. So I'm going to avoid Kentucky for a little bit, like the whole state. I'm going to just let them, you know, solve that one on their own. But I thought it was pretty interesting that the Kentucky AD is the one that got to announce that Louisville was on the outside looking at. He had a little a little bit of a, uh, what do you might call a shit-eating grin on his face. Yeah, he had a little smirk. He had a little smirk. Uh-huh. He was, he was like, like, well, we, you know, we worked really hard on it. And, you know, to, props to the committee for doing a great job. He was, he was happy about it. Although, you know, Louisville probably still ends up making the field and gets a better seed potentially than, than they would have had they made it. So uh, True. Louisville's, Louisville's out here hoping that somebody gets sick, unfortunately, so that they can, you know, slide in as like a, as like a surprise number five seed. Hey, the last thing I got on the tournament just really quickly, the NCAA selection committee loves Gonzaga. Now, I, I, I know Gonzaga is really, really good. By the way, if you look at Ken Palm, Gonzaga is like a full six points of efficiency margin better than anyone else in Ken Palm. They are such Which a is stupid. Yeah, it's, that's, that's stupid. I mean, <laughs> folks, you got to understand that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, Gonzaga is really, really better than everyone else this year. But here's how much the committee loved Gonzaga. The number three seed in Gonzaga's region is Kansas. The number four seed is Virginia. Those are the two teams that appear to be most immediately in peril of being COVIDed out of the tournament because mm-hmm. they just got COVIDed out of their conference tournaments. So, uh, so when you know Louisville or Wichita State or whoever it is replaces a team in the tournament, they're probably going to be sliding right into Gonzaga's bracket. Uh, you know, if you don't pick Gonzaga to the Final Four, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Well, they also, and that was another point where he kind of was like, oh, that's interesting that they're all in the same region. Nah, we didn't, I mean, the selection committee kind of goes through all these things and they balance a lot of factors. And it just so happened that Kansas and Virginia, they should be ready to go. We think we'll have a 68 team bracket. We're like, oh yeah, 68 teams, but is it these 68 teams? Probably not. <laughs> all right. So like I said, we'll do a longer preview of the NCAA tournament later this week once the bracket is set in stone. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the ACC tournament that was and the last player of the week nominations. It won't be surprising, but it will be a fun little chat. So stick around. Welcome back. We're now going to talk about the ACC tournament that was. So as we have briefly recapped at the beginning of the show, Georgia Tech are your 2021 ACC champions. It's their first time in 28 years winning the ACC tournament. So big props to Josh Pastner and his mask and the entire Georgia Tech team. Florida State came in second. They they lost to Georgia Tech in the championship game. They only had to play one other game, which was a, a tight match against UNC in the semifinal elsewhere. We know that Duke had to drop because of COVID reasons. Virginia also had to leave because of COVID reasons. Not a ton of of upsets here in the ACC tournament. Miami did make it uh, through two games, which was somewhat surprising given given how poor they had played this year. But guys, thoughts on the ACC tournament on Georgia Tech as champions. Take it anywhere you want. Jason, I will give you the floor first. Thank you very much, sir. So the, the first thing I'll say, I want to, you know, hats off to Georgia Tech. 
Um, an amazing stat I saw. This is this was Georgia Tech's fourth ACC tournament title since they joined the conference in 1979. Their fourth title since 1979. That makes them the third most winningest ACC team behind Duke and Carolina. Can you believe that? Since 1979, <laughs> with four ACC tournament titles, Georgia Tech is now third in the conference behind Duke and UNC. That's insane. That is crazy. I, con- considering <laughs> they haven't won in 28 years. Exactly. I'm it's- also shocked that Virginia is not like I like if you had asked nope. me who's third, I would have guessed Virginia or honestly probably Maryland. Yeah, no, Maryland like Maryland's got a guess. Maryland have Maryland's nice got enough run. good years, yeah. but like Virginia has the last 10 years with Tony Bennett and they have the Ralph Sampson years. So I would have thought like, oh, maybe they picked up two ACC tournament championships during Ralph Sampson and maybe they've got three more nope. in the last 10 years or something, but no, it's Georgia tech. Wow. That's it is Georgia tech. So that's, that's kind of amazing. Uh, by the way, the other stat that everyone was talking about that I have to talk about is this was the first ACC final since 1996 without Duke or UNC. I would have put this in another term. There wasn't a single player playing in the finals who was alive. There wasn't a single player playing who was alive. The last time there was an ACC final that didn't feature Duke and UNC, the last time Duke and UNC were not in the finals, Josh Pastner, the head coach of Georgia Tech, was still at high school. <laughs> it's crazy. Here's another, here's another stat that will blow that one out of the water. They said on the broadcast that that was the first ACC final featuring two teams that were not charter members of the conference. Each ACC tournament final has featured at least one charter member of the ACC since its inception. Until Let's hear it for old night. school. Old yeah, school. That's, yeah. that's incredible. That's an incredible stat because just the number of teams that, that this happened, you're like, okay, well, maybe Duke and UC have off years. You still had a charter member that was in there. So that's incredible. And, and I wanted to, getting back to Georgia Tech, I do want to compliment them. Uh, they, they played great in the tournament. The, the number of turnovers they forced on Florida State was simply stunning. And I, I personally think if I was a head coach, I would make a tape of Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright and the way they play basketball. And I would force my players to watch it because if there's a 50-50 ball, 50-50 balls go to Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright about 80 to 90% of the time. It's unreal the way those two guys, like uh, Moses Wright, I was noticing, sometimes he was battling three, four other Florida State guys. There'd be a loose ball batted around, rebound underneath the basket. Moses Wright came up with like 90% of those. It was uncanny. And, and if there's a ball on the perimeter, Jose Alvarado, just forget about it. Uh, those two guys, they've been toiling in this program for a while. They've not had a lot of success. It's impossible not to root for them. It's impossible not to feel good for what they've accomplished here. Uh, look, in the postgame, I'm, I'm not sure if folks saw the postgame, but Jose Alvarado swimming in the balloons and, and crying when he was interviewed, talking about his daughter and his family. This happened to uh, just some great guys. I wish it had been Duke. If it couldn't be Duke, I'm really happy for these Georgia Tech players. They deserve this because they worked hard to get it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I watched that championship game and the the inspired ball that they played, not just yesterday, but throughout the tournament, was really something to watch. It made it fun to watch. Uh, and it made them, I mean, even when we played them, it was very tough battles. You could tell that there were guys that, if I were a Georgia Tech fan, I would latch onto them immediately. Uh, but the fact that they're able to go out as champions is, is incredible, given what they've had to go through, uh, just given the run that they made. I think it was uh, simply awesome to have a team like that win 
uh, win a championship and win it in, in prime fashion like that to win the ACC, one of the best conferences in college basketball. And by the way, if this was the Georgia Tech basketball report, we would have done an emergency podcast on Jordan Usher's slam dunk, which was oh, yeah. outrageous. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that was like, that was we, we a wouldn't have waited for the game, game to end. Exactly. We wouldn't have waited for the we game to end. Hopped on middle of the game just to do it. Oh my God. Yeah. That was one of the great, that's one of the great dunks in ACC tournament history. Yeah. But I want to say a little bit really quickly about us. I, I think we'll, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but I think when it comes to, us getting to that point. I thought we played very, very well in that tournament. And I think that we talked about it a little bit the other day. I think that's what makes it so disappointing that we're not in the ACC tournament is that we played so well and we had a chance and we got that glimmer of hope and then it was kind of snatched away from us. So, uh, but I, I do think in the end, Georgia tech won. They're a great team and congratulations to them. Yeah. You could look at the results from this tournament and say that it's a little silly that Georgia tech are ACC champions, given that, they only had to win two games, but if it was going to be anybody, I think this is a very easy team to root for. Duke had two awesome games against Georgia Tech this season that were, you know, if you were watching as a as an unbiased basketball fan, were great games to watch. Uh, both really back and forth fun games. So, and as we've talked about, Georgia Tech features a number of really experienced guys who have been around the conference, who have who have had to play these really great Duke and UNC and Virginia and Florida State teams every year that they've been here. So very cool for them to win that tournament and and do it in, in impressive fashion, beating Florida State in the championship. Like I said, I, I feel bad for them that they got such a tough draw in the NCAA tournament. They might be out in the first round because they're not going to be favorites in their in their opening game after winning the ACC. So that stinks. And to Donald's point about, about Duke playing well, I will transition now to the player of the week award where we are all going to pick the same guy because only one member of the Duke basketball team made the ACC all tournament team, despite only playing in two games and not playing in the quarterfinals or past. So Donald, tell me about Mark Williams and you're nominating him for player of the week. Uh, I am nominating. This is a clean episode. Big mother effing Mark <laughs> mother effing Williams. That is my player of the week because there's no other player that should that deserves it more than him. Jason, could Mark Williams's performance in the ACC tournament have left you any more excited about sophomore year Mark Williams? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the progress he made, we've talked about it endlessly. I don't know that we need to go on and on about it. Mark Williams is my pick for player of the week. The progress that he's made has just been stunning over the past month. Uh, it's scary to think about how much better he can get. I don't even know that he needs to get that much better. If he's just this good, he's going to be first team all ACC next year. So yeah. And, and by the way, I've got a great stat for you. You ready for this? I love this stat. I, I looked this up today. So Bart Torvik, um, keeps track of, of dunk stats. He keeps track of every place you shoot on the floor, which is kind of cool. So uh, Mark Williams was 19th in the country with 34 slam dunks this year, 19th most of anybody in the country. He is the only player in all of college basketball who was perfect, 34 for 34 in his case, perfect on slam dunks with more than 26 attempted dunks. Everyone else who had more than 26 attempted dunks missed at least one slam dunk mark williams 34 for 34 and by the way he only played 35 percent of duke's available minutes this year if he'd played a more normal like 70 percent, which translates to about 28 minutes per game i think he'll actually average more than that but if he played about 28 minutes per game and we extrapolated his current stats he would have 68 total dunks which would be second in the nation to kofi cockburn why am i talking about dunks dunks are high percentage shots 
have I mentioned Mark Williams never misses dunks. So, <laughs> so there you go. That's what I'm looking forward to. Mark Williams slamming the ball on all of college basketball next year, more than anyone else in college basketball. I think it, that is what's going to happen. In a brief preview of the stats game recap, we uh, disagreed at the beginning of the season about who was going to lead the team in field goal percentage because I didn't give it to Mark Williams. Mark Williams. Yeah, I was gonna say up, you say we disagreed. You I said I said we as a group. Donald and I knew. Each other. <laughs> Mark Williams ended up at at almost at making almost two thirds of his of his field goal attempts, and Matthew Hurt came in second at at fifty five percent. So well behind Mark Williams by the end of the season. When we come back next year. We're going to hear we're going to hear a lot of rumors or a lot of not rumors. We're going to hear a lot of talk over the offseason about Mark Williams going on the cookout diet and and doing a lot of mic and drills. And it's going to be awesome seeing him next year. I like we're going to we're going to get ourselves way too excited about Mark Williams. <laughs> Cannot <He's>, wait. <laughs> he is our he is our player of the week, our unanimous player of the week, the final player of the week of the season. The, this in the saddest year of Duke basketball ever, an enormous uh, highlight for us was getting to watch Mark Williams at the end of the season. So we'll talk about him more. We'll talk about Matthew Hurt more. We'll talk about all the Blue Devils more later this week. Until then, feel free to send us questions uh, ahead of our, our season recap, which we're going to be doing this week. DBRpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear some questions and and hopefully we can weave those into the discussion that we're having this week. I'm not going to commit us to a, to a day when we know where we're going to record. It's going to kind of be dependent on if there's other news that comes out. So sometime this week before the tournament starts, in earnest on Friday, we'll be back in your feeds to talk uh, a little bit of NCAA tournament preview, but a lot of Duke season recap. So for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I am, what are we laughing about? <laughs> My wife just sneezed so loudly. <laughs> they both started. I was, I was, I was cruising into the, into the outro here. <laughs> you were, you were there. It was so loud. I saw like on Zoom, you know how you can see the boxes light up. I saw my box light up. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, it we was hope, great. Bless you, by hope, the way. <laughs> we hope that, that Mrs. Evans is not sick and that, and that she's okay after that sneeze and that everyone's okay in the Evans house. But for Jason, for Jason's wife, for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 295 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, finishing up the saddest season that we can all remember in, you know, maybe a sort of lighthearted and happy way. We will talk to you again this week. Until then, Duke Band, take us home. I was like, what the fuck? What the, why are you guys laughing? I can't believe you didn't. Well, I tried hard not to, too, because I saw I heard, I saw him just kind of go, ooh, and that's what got me. It wasn't the sneeze, it was him going, No, I was I was like, I was like in the zone. I, I was I was you were rolling. I, it was loud. It was a great save though. Great, great save. Like, Donald, you heard it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was gonna pay no mind, and then you kind of went, eh, and I was like, ah, oh, there it is. I, I lost it. Oh.